Lesson number 114, Surah Yunus, ayah number 31 to 52. قُلْ سَيْ Who provides you? مِنَ السَّمَاءِ From the sky, وَالْأَرْضِ And the earth. You get provision from the sky, you get provision from the earth. From the sky in the form of sunlight, in the form of water, and from the earth in the form of vegetation, animals that you benefit from in various ways. Who gives you all of this? From everywhere, from above you and from below you. Who gives you risk? What's the answer? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's got to be only one being behind all of this. Because you see, the earth does not produce independently. It depends on the sunlight that it receives from up above and from the water that it receives from up above. You understand? So the earth cannot produce except by getting what it receives from the sky. So what does it show? It's a system that's functioning together. We cannot have risk until the earth and the sky, they're working together. So what does it show? There's one being behind this. One being behind this who has made this entire system. Who is providing you risk from so many different avenues, so many different ways. مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ or Man who, meaning who is it that Yamliku, he possesses, meaning he owns, he has the power over what? Asamr, the hearing, wal absar, and the vision, the eyes. Who controls hearing and vision? Who controls it? Your body? No. Who controls it? You yourself? You think glasses are really cool and having to wear contacts is really cool. So you're like, you know what? I want my eyesight to become weak. Can you do that? Can you? No. There's another person who's fed up of wearing glasses and contacts. So they say, you know what? I want my eyesight to get better. So they go into surgery. They do one thing after the other. Sometimes it works and other times it doesn't really. Who controls it? Who controls it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who has authority and control over your hearing and your sight? And who brings out the living from the dead? Something dead. But what comes out from it? What is alive? I mean, think about it. An egg. Apparently it seems like just a ball of white stuff. Right? But then what comes out of it? A chick? Isn't that amazing? For example, human beings, right? When a woman gives birth, the baby is connected to the mother. Right? Inside the mother, connected to the mother. And it's getting its nutrition. It's protected in the womb. And then once it comes out, it gets other ways of nutrition. But if you think about it, the egg, is it connected to the hen in any way? It's not. And for so many days, it stays there. Who brings out something living from something that's apparently dead? These trees that we saw dead just a couple weeks ago, now they look alive. Literally alive. You know when they were covered with ice, heavily bent down, and you were wondering, is it going to make it through this winter? 
is it going to be alive? And you see that yes, it is alive. مَن يُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيِّتِ Who brings out the living from the dead? وَيُخْرِجُ الْمَيِّتَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ And the exact opposite. Who brings out the dead from the living? Dead, something dead comes out from where? Something that is alive. How? So for example, a mother gives birth to a dead child. Who does that? وَمَن يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرُ And who does tadbir, the planning? Remember the meaning of tadbir? Who regulates the affairs? Al-amr. Affair meaning all the affairs. Who manages them all? Whether it is the matter of rain, or it is the matter of the seasons, or it is the matter of the growth of a plant, or of a person, a human being. May يُدَبِّرُ amr. Who is doing all of this? Who is behind all of this? فَسَيَقُولُونَ so soon they will say, Allah, Allah. فَقُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ They say, don't you fear? Don't you fear God? Majority of the people, majority of them, they believe in the existence of a God, of a creator, of a supreme being who's behind all of this. All of what? Provision, right? And the management of the affairs of the entire universe. The one who has control over life and death. Right? The one who has control over the abilities of people. Majority of the people, and amongst them are also the people of Arabia who lived back in the day, the Mushrikeen, and even today, majority of mankind, they believe in the existence of a God. The fact that there is a creator, a master, an owner, the giver of life and death. However, they do not understand, they do not comprehend the simple logic that the one who created, the one who has absolute power and authority, he deserves to be worshipped. People acknowledge the existence of a creator. But when it comes to prostration, when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to pleasing someone, then they get lost over there. They get lost over there. Who do they turn to? Their desires. People before them the creation. They don't understand the simple logic that the creator is the one who deserves worship exclusively. Allah says, فَقُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ Say, do you not fear? Do you not fear God? That if you're turning away from Him to someone else, you think He's going to leave you like that? فَذَلِكُمُ اللَّهُ رَبُّكُمْ So that, O oh you people, is Allah رَبُّكُمْ your Lord. Who? The one who does all of this. All of what? All of what provides you from the sky and the earth, has control over hearing and sight, brings out the living from the dead and the dead from the living, regulates the affairs of the entire creation. The one who's doing all of this is your Rabb. Because what's the definition of Rabb? Khaliq, Malik, Mudabbir. So who is he? Allah. He is your Rabb, Al-Haq, the true. Meaning, he is the only one who really is God, the one who deserves worship. All other beings that are worshipped besides Allah, what have they done? Do they have the power that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala possesses? No, not at all. فَمَاذَا So what is that? بَعْدَ الْحَقِّ After the truth. إِلَّا except الضَّلَالِ The misguidance. فَأَنَّا تُسْرَفُونَ So from where are you averted? How are you averted? Averted from what? From the truth. From this reality. Meaning, if you recognize the fact 
that behind all of this is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the creator. He is the khaliq, malik, mudabbir. He is Rabb. And in ibadah, you turn towards someone else. You leave this haqq and you adopt something else. Then what is that something else except for misguidance, except for falsehood? Think about it. There is only one being, right? Who could be God, not multiple. Because if there were multiple gods, like many people say, all religions are right, right? If that was the case, if there were multiple gods, then what would happen? Would the earth and the sky give us risk? Be a source of risk? No. Because the god of the sky is saying, no sunlight. And the god of the earth would be saying, no vegetation. There would be no cooperation. The fact that everything is functioning so smoothly shows that there's only one being behind all of this. And if a person refuses to accept that reality and he's following something else, then what is that something else except for falsehood? What would it be except for misguidance? فَمَاذَا بَعْدَ الْحَقِّ إِلَّا الضَّلَالٍ تُصْرَفُونَ Don't you get it? If you leave this reality, turn away from it, how can you think that you're upon right guidance? Don't you get it? كَذَلِكَ Likewise, حَقَّتْ It became true. It came into effect. Kalimatu, the word, Rabbika of your Lord, ala ladina fasaku, on those people who commit sin, who cross limits. What kalima came into effect? That annahum la yu'minun. That indeed they will not believe. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew from before that these people are not going to believe. But when people, but remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not enforce His knowledge. You understand? He doesn't enforce it. He has given the choice to people as to if they want to accept the truth or they don't want to accept the truth. He has given people free will to choose what they want, to do what they want. Now, these people who are mentioned over here, the truth is explained to them. It is shown to them. It is evident to them. But yet if they leave it and adopt something else and they do fisq, they don't fear Allah. They don't fear Allah. Now the one who doesn't fear Allah, he's fearless, he's also going to be carefree. Right? He's not going to care about any limits. And when he's not going to care about any limits, what is he going to do? Fisk? Transgress? Sin? And such people, are they going to believe? No, they're not going to believe. And who knew that from before? Allah knew that from before. So the people who commit fisk, who don't care about Allah, who don't fear Allah, then such people are not going to believe. Think about it. If a person rejects the truth despite seeing it, can you make him believe? Can you guide such a person? No. Illa mashaAllah. There are a few exceptions here and there, whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave tawfiq to, but in general, if someone sees a reality, acknowledges it, yet does not accept it, I mean, what can you do? Qul say. Hal is min shuraka'ikum from your partners, meaning those whom you worship besides Allah. Okay, let's analyze them. You understand God's reality, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reality, the fact that He alone is the creator. But yet you want to associate others with Him. Okay, let's examine these shuraka, those whom you associate with Allah. Hal min shuraka'ikum, is there any from among your shuraka'ikum Man who yabda'ul khalqa, who can initiate the creation. Yabda'u from ba'dal hamza, bada'a, to initiate, to bring 
into existence, to, to create for the first time ever, is there anyone who can originate the creation? Who can begin the process of creation? هَلْ مِنْ شُرَكَائِكُمْ مَنْ يَبْدَأُ الْخَلْقَ ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُ And then, does he also possess the power to repeat it? يُعِيدُهُ from إِعَادَةَ عَيْنُ وَعُدَالَ Aud is to repeat. Can they repeat the creation? No. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what power does He possess? Initiate the creation. Begin the process of creation. And then not just do it once, but over and over and over again. I was just thinking the other day, that these trees that are coming back to life again, how many times have they died before and been given life again? How many times? Think about it. Every winter they died, every spring they came to life. Right? Think about how many times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it death and life, death and life, again and again and again. And despite that, the tree is growing and growing and growing. And each time it comes out perfect and beautiful and sometimes more beautiful than before. Right? Like for example, you do something once, you do it really well. And then you're asked, can you make this again? Like for example, a painting. You're like, I don't know, I'll try. Or for example, you cook something, you prepare some food and you make it really well. And then you try it again another time. And what happens? You mess it up badly. You really mess it up. That even bones, if they break and they regrow again, they come out stronger. Yes. Assalamualaikum. Okay, so once I was taking like a first aid CPR course and the instructor was telling us how there's a certain amount of time after the heart stops beating that they're technically dead, but they can be revived, they can be brought back to life. And I thought that goes against... I don't know, like then if you hold that true, then how would doctors explain someone who's dead that they cannot bring to life even after they do everything and CPR, then they would die in guilt because they basically knew that they can bring them to life. Like, there's something that we believe as in the soul leaving the body. And yeah. that's true death, yeah, But right? it's not necessary that once the heart has stopped beating, the soul actually left the body. Exactly. Right? When the heart, it stops beating, if it's massaged a little bit, it can actually start pumping again. Yeah. It can start pumping in, which is why many times in surgery it happens that the heart stops beating, they take it out and they gently massage it, and it can actually start pumping again. Why? Because that person was not meant to die at that time. And there are people who are declared brain dead, right? But then what happens? What happens? They live on. Why? Because they were not meant to die at that time. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the control over life and death is with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He decides when a person should die, right? And it's also within Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's power that if someone has been given death, He can actually revive them in this dunya even. Right? Like for example, remember Isa alayhi salam, He performed the miracle of bringing the dead back to life. But by whose permission? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission. Right? So anyway, what do we learn over here that Allah is the one, Allah asks a question, is there anyone from among your partners who has the ability to initiate the creation and then repeat it? No. قُلِ اللَّهُ يَبْدَأُ الْخَلْقَ Say it is Allah who originates the creation. ثُمَّ يُعِيدُ And then He repeats it over and over again. فَأَنَّا تُؤْفَقُونَ So how are you deluded? How are you deluded? 
So a comparison is put before us. Realize the reality of these idols, of these false gods whom you're running after. Whether it's in the form of idols, or it's in the form of science, or it's in the form of technology, or it's in the form of whatever it may be. Realize its weakness. Realize its limits. It may be very amazing and very impressive. But realize that it has limits. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the other hand, He has absolute power to execute His will. He can make something once and make it again and again and again. Perfect. Perfectly. ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُ قُلْ Say, هَلْ مِنْ شُرَكَائِكُمْ Is there any from among your partners مَنْ يَهْدِي إِلَى الْحَقِّ Who can guide to the truth? Who can guide to the right way? Is there anyone who can give this instruction as to what is the truth and what is falsehood? Who guides to the truth? قُلْ say اللَّهُ يَهْدِي لِلْحَقِّ Allah is the one who guides to the truth, who guides to what is right. And He has guided the entire creation to what is right for it. You know when Musa salam and Harun salam they were asked by Fir'aun, so who is this God that you're talking about who has sent you as a prophet to me? Who is this God that you're talking about? Musa salam he replied, قَالَ رَبُّنَا الَّذِي أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلْقَهُ he said, our Lord is the one who gave everything its khalq, meaning its form, and then He also guided it. He guided it to its role, to what it's supposed to do. And if you think about it, every creation, whether it is an atom, or a flower, or an ant, or a bee, or an elephant, or the blood cells in your body, Everything has been instructed as to what it should do. Which is why no matter what situation you put it in, it will do what it's naturally meant to do. Think about it. Don't you see all these beautiful birds outside these days? Where were they when it was minus 30 outside? Where? Did they have a heated apartment where they could just live like you survived this winter, we know that they migrated somewhere else. Right? And then they migrated back. I mean, this itself is astounding. I'm not talking about big loons. I'm talking about little birds, finch. You know those yellow tiny birds? Okay? Very beautiful, very cute. I saw them last year somewhere around my house. Not once but multiple times throughout the summer. And now, as the weather is getting better, I see those birds again. It's not like there's 50 of them, so you would think they all went together and they all came back. It's that same two, four birds. I know it. <laughs> I know it. Because I saw them at a particular you know, place, and again they came for the same purpose over there. Again, they came for the same purpose over there. It's amazing. These tiny birds with such small wings, so beautiful, who guided them that when it's cold, you go here? And when the weather gets better, you come back here? Who showed them the way? I mean, we'd be lost. Which street, which highway, which exit, which city, which house? And they're coming back to the same parks, to the same forests, to the same trees. Amazing! Because Allah has guided everything as to what it should do.
When you have a cut in your body and your blood starts to ooze out, then what happens after some time? What happens? It begins to clot, right? Who taught the skin, those tiny cells, to heal that skin, that rupture, that burn, in that particular way? Who taught it? Who instructed it? Who guided it? If we were to put in all of these instructions in our body, like we have to put in a computer sometimes, would it be within our capacity to do so? No. Who has taught the body that when a person breathes in the air, then the oxygen should enter the blood in this way, and then the blood should spread throughout the body in this way? Who? Who? When a child is developing in the womb of the mother, think about it. How the cells form, and how the cells, they self-destruct also. Certain cells of the fetus, they self-destruct. They die themselves. Because you know like how the fingers, they're initially webbed. And then what happens? The flesh that is between the fingers, as the fingers are growing, they self-destruct. Who taught that? Who gave that instruction? Think about it. Molecule, protons, neurons. It's been such a long time that I studied all this, but what I do remember is that they all revolve around a nucleus. Right? In a particular way. Anti-clockwise or clockwise? Which way? Whatever way. But who gave that instruction to that tiny cell that cannot even be examined with the naked eye to move in that particular way? At that speed? Who? Allah yahdi ila al-haq. He is the one who guides. Qulillahu yahdi ila al-haq. He is the one who guides to the right, to the truth, to what it should do in order to fulfill its purpose of existence. And if Allah has given the instruction to even a tiny cell and a proton, then you think He would not have given instruction to the human heart and mind to do what it's supposed to do? Allah says, Afaman is then who? Yahdi ila al-haqqi, who guides to the truth. Is he a haqqu, more deserving, and that yuttaba'a, he should be followed. The one who guides to the truth, who gives instruction as to what each and everything should do. Does he deserve to be followed? Or, amman, or the one who, la yahiddi. Does not obtain guidance illa except on that yuhda it is guided. Famalakum kaifa tahkumun. What does it mean by this word yahiddi? Yahiddi is also from the same root, hadaliya. Right? Huda. But yahiddi, it's a different form of the word yahtadi. Yahtadi is to obtain guidance, to find the way. Okay? To find the way, to obtain guidance, to know what to do and to go there and do what you have to. On the one hand is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gives guidance and instruction. Hmm? Who gives guidance and instruction. To who? To who? Everything. From the biggest to the smallest. Everything. And on the other hand is a false god whom people are worshipping who la yahiddi who cannot even move except that it is yuhda, it is moved. Many scholars have said, yahiddi over here, in the context it gives the meaning of being able to move itself. Because huda, hidayah, 
literally means movement and transformation. What does it mean? Movement and transformation. Remember the word hadi? Hadi? What was hadi? Sacrificial animal. That is moved, transferred to the haram, taken over there, and then slaughtered, right? For the purpose of sacrifice. Hadi. From the same root is the word hadiyah. What is hadiyah? A gift. Because it was with you, and then it moved from you to somebody else. Ownership was transferred. Movement, transformation. Likewise, hidayah is guidance. And when a person receives guidance, does he just sit there and do nothing? And sleep away? What does he do? What does he do? Hidayah, iman. It creates a movement in a person. Right? Hmm? Exactly. He will act upon it. He can't just sit there with his mouth closed. If he's rightly guided, if he's received guidance, what will he do? He will do dhikr with his mouth. Right? He can't just sit there and kill his time. He will do something productive. Right? So, over here, لَا يَهِدِّي إِلَّا أَنْ يُهْدَى Meaning, the one who cannot even find its way, move, relocate, go from storage to a stage, except that it is taken over there so that people can prostrate before it. Think about it. I mean, there are idols that are stored. Right? Inside storage rooms. Locked up. Huh? They're made of gold and silver. Right? They're locked up. And then what happens? They're taken out, they're cleaned up, and then they are put on a stage or a podium or something like that, and then people come and prostrate over there. Can it go by itself? Can it go by itself? It cannot even guide itself. If a fly sits on its nose, can it move it? Somebody else has to move it. Right? Somebody else has to move it. Even an animal whom people worship, can that animal guide itself? No. So basically what is being said over here is that realize the power that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala possesses and the power that your false gods possess. Is there any comparison? Allah, the one who guides. And these beings whom you're running after, they are themselves needy of guidance and instruction. If it's an idol, it cannot even move itself. If it's a person, he needs treatment. If it's a person, he dies one day. If it's a person, he needs to be taught how to read and write. Right? They are all in need of guidance. Because everyone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what? Needy. Needy. So you are going towards someone who is needy themselves? You want to be guided by them? You want that your matters are entrusted to them? Come on. Would you actually take someone like them as wakil? Someone whom you would rely upon? Think about it. Is such a being reliable? No. So think about it. Who are you going after? Famalakum, kayfa tahkumun. How are you judging? How could you equate the creator and the creation? How could they be the same? Then how could you say that someone deserves worship besides Allah when they're weak? How could you go after them? وَمَا يَتَّبِعُوا And he doesn't follow. أَكْثَرُهُمْ Most of them إِلَّا except ظَنَّا Assumption. Majority of the people, what is it that they follow? Assumption. Any form of shirk, whether it is idolatry or atheism, 
And atheism is also kind of idolatry, by the way. It goes a little technical, but it is a form of idolatry. So anyway, any form of shirk, whether it is worshipping idols, or it is rejecting the existence of God, whatever it may be, it is based on what? A fact? Is it based on fact? No. What is it based on? Assumption. Come on. Isn't it the theory of evolution? Isn't it the theory of evolution? What is a theory? Is it a fact? No. A theory is a theory. It is one. Right? Even if you bring proofs that may be concocted or may be misunderstood, right? there is a possibility that it is wrong. There is a high probability that it is not correct. Because you cannot say that it is a fact until you've actually seen it. Correct? You can't say it's a fact until you've actually observed it with your eyes. So for example, water has no color. You see a lake and you say, no, 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 it's blue. Water has color, it is blue. Now, how can you prove to someone the fact that water has no color? That you take them to the lake and you tell them, take a handful of water and now look. Can you see your hand? You can see your hand through it. What does that show? That water is clear. It doesn't have any color of its own. This blue is a reflection from somewhere else. What exactly? That's another story. But water is clear. Now, they had this one. You disproved it through what? A fact. Observation. Right? Now, shirk. Is there any proof for it? Is there any proof for it? No, there isn't. There is no shuddery evidence for it. And there's no aqli evidence for it either. No nadari. There's no logical evidence for it, proof for it. There's no religious proof for it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. Alright? So it cannot be a fact. The stories about many gods that people believe in, are they actually real stories or are they myths? What are they? Myths. Greek Greek mythology, right? What is that? Is that a fact? No. It's the stories that people invented long time ago, passed down generation to generation, and then people started believing in them as though they were facts. Like there are many people who will tell you, oh, you're sick? You know what? Go have milk with this and this and this, and you'll be fine. They're like, you're not a doctor. Who told you? That if I have this milk made with this and that, I'll be fine. Is there any scientific research behind that that proves it? Is there any experimentation? What is there to back it up? Your grandmother's suggestion? Huh? And then when people say, oh, doctors know nothing. They don't know anything. Don't go to the doctors and waste your time and money. I'll tell you what to do. You're like, thank you very much. Because you're not a doctor. Yes. There's a video by um, Dr. Yasser Qadi on uh, evolution and what Muslims should believe. And it's really good. I encourage all the girls especially to watch it because when you go to high school and when you go to university, like evolution is drilled into your brain. And it's a really good video. Alhamdulillah. So make that a part of your to-dos, inshallah. 
So anyway, all of this is based on what? Shirk is based on dhan. And dhan has no reality to it. Allah says that inna dhanna, indeed, assumption, la yughni min al-haqqi shay'a. It does not avail against the truth at all. Yughni is to make someone rich. When someone is rich, then they don't need your help and support. Right? They've got their own stuff. They've got their own resources. They've got their own money. So they don't need you. So their wealthiness has made them independent of you, done away with you. Right? So one can never ever avail against the truth. Meaning, it can never replace the truth. It can never remove the truth. It can never defeat it. On the one hand is fact, research, proofs, observation. And on the other hand is just the assumption of someone, a story that they've made up. Is there any comparison? Is there any comparison? No. If you're sick, you're having severe breathing trouble, and your doctor tells you that if you ever feel like that again, don't drink anything. Because if you drink anything, there is a possibility that it will go down your lungs. And that could kill you. And when you get sick like that again, somebody tells you, have this hot tea. You'll feel better. On the one hand is a doctor telling you based on research, logic, evidence that if you have anything to drink when you're breathing heavily like that, it can kill you. It's dangerous for you. And here there is a person who's telling you, have this drink, doctor knows nothing. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to follow? The doctor. So, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُغْنِي مِنَ الْحَقِّ شَيْئًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ Indeed, Allah is knowing بِمَا يَفْعَلُونَ of what they do. He knows about what they're doing. And He will hold them accountable for the lies that they have invented. And the thousands of people that they have misled. وَمَا كَانَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ Now people, they also have doubts about the Qur'an. If something is mentioned in the Qur'an, they think, that is one. The Qur'an is a fact. How is it a fact? What's the proof? Allah tells us. وَمَا كَانَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ It is not possible that this Qur'an be and that يُفْتَرَى It is invented مِن دُونِ الله besides Allah. Meaning, no one could have produced this Qur'an except who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not possible that this Qur'an would be a product of human mind, human thinking, human observation. Not possible. It can only be from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can only be from the one who has absolute knowledge and power. And who could that be but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Did the Prophet ﷺ travel wide and far all over the earth? Did he see the two seas meet and notice that the colors are different and the tastes are different and they're not blending in one another, the two waters? Did he observe that in his lifetime? No. The Arabs were completely unaware of the stories of Musa salam of Isa salam, They had no idea. This was unknown to them. Unknown to them completely. And you see, the Bani Israel, what was their problem? They used to keep knowledge to themselves. They wouldn't tell others. This was one of their biggest crimes. So even though there were Bani Israel living in Arabia, you think they told the stories in detail to the Arabs? No, they just looked down on them, ignorant, and they didn't tell them anything. Right? But the Prophet ﷺ, he recited the Qur'an before the people that mentioned 
so much detail of the story of Musa alayhi salam, the story of Maryam, the story of Isa alayhi salam, the story of Nuh alayhi salam, Adam alayhi salam, such details that you will not find in the Bible. Such beauty that you will not find elsewhere. So it is not possible that this Qur'an would be the product of human mind. Assalamu alaikum. From what you said, it would make sense, you know, for people when we write something, it's always tainted with our personal baggage, with our own biases and our own views. Um, even though the Prophet ﷺ knew nothing about the previous prophets, you know, from actual uh, text or anything, you know, he could be told, like, you know, minor stories here and there. We're not saying anything, but when people write something, we always put our own little opinion into it. In the Qur'an, all the prophets, all the people that have mentioned have been given utmost respect and they've been, you know, the best view of them have been given. And that couldn't have been done by a person. Exactly. It's not possible. And also if you think about it, the Qur'an was revealed over a period of 23 years. And if a person writes a book in the period of two years, do you think his thinking will change over the period of two years? Of course. He will start his research, his writing, you know, based on a certain premise, and then as he goes deeper into his research and reflects on it, he changes his thinking. So he goes back again, edits it, and re-edits it, and re-edits it. So he thought he would be done within 10 months, but actually takes him 20 years, 15 years to put it together. And then there's so much revision, and if it's not revised thoroughly over and over again, there would be so many inconsistencies. And yet we see that people will find inconsistencies in people's writings. Why? Because it's the product of a human mind. The Qur'an is speech. Right? The Prophet ﷺ did not write the Qur'an. He recited the Qur'an. And the coherence of its message, of the style, that's amazing. It's amazing. So, وَمَا كَانَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ أَنْ يُفْتَرَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ وَلَكِنْ بَتَّصْدِيقَ الَّذِي It is a confirmation, meaning it confirms the truthfulness of what? الَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ Of that which came before it. Meaning, the previous scriptures, it confirms the truthfulness, that they were also revealed by Allah, but people changed them. And this Qur'an is also what tafsil al-kitab, a detail of al-kitab. Kitab away gives the meaning of maktub, meaning that which is ordained. What is ordained for the people? What are they supposed to do? The Qur'an is an elaboration of that. Tafseel, meaning it elaborates that. It tells people what they're supposed to do. What is halal, what is not. What is haq, what is dalal. And it is la rayba fihi. There is no doubt in it. It is from who? Min rabbil alameen. From the Lord of the worlds. Am yaqulun aftara? Or do they say that he has invented it? Do they say that Muhammad wasallam has made up this Qur'an? It is his speech? Allah says, okay, قُلْ فَأْتُوا So you come بِسُورَةٍ with a surah, مِثْلِهِ like it. Because if he could produce it, then you should also be able to produce it. Right? If one man can produce a book like this, a speech like this, then that shows that it is within human capacity to do it. So if he can do it, somebody else can do it too. So if you say that he's fabricated it, why don't you try and put something together like the Qur'an. But remember, فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةٍ مِثْلِ Bring just one surah like it. Meaning that matches the eloquence of the Qur'an, that matches the perfect coherence of the Qur'an, the consistency of the message, its mind-blowing style, its eloquence, it should match that. But will they be able to do it? No. 
Elsewhere in the Qur'an, people are challenged that bring a few verses even, like the Qur'an. Okay, not a surah, a few verses even. وَدْعُوا and call upon مَنْ إِسْتَطَعْتُمْ Whomsoever you were capable. Meaning, seek help of anyone. مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ Besides Allah. إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ If you are really truthful. Now if you think about it, every man made religion, or system, writing, anything, it has its deficiencies. Right? It has its inconsistencies. That parts of it contradict other parts. But this cannot be found in the Qur'an. It's not possible. On the apparent, a person might find some inconsistency, but a little bit of reflection, it teaches a person that no, it's not inconsistency. It, there's a deeper meaning over here. Bal rather, kathabu, they have rejected. They have rejected bima with that which lam yuhitu bi ilmi. They have not encompassed it in knowledge. They have rejected the Qur'an. They have disbelieved in it before encompassing its meaning. Meaning before understanding it correctly. They just heard this part. Qur'an tells you to believe in one God and that's it. They're like, no, 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 we're not interested. They have rejected it without even reading it. And there are people who will say, yes, I have read the Qur'an, but I don't believe in it. They will say that. But you know what? They've read it. How? Without doing the ihata of its meaning. Without understanding its meaning correctly. Like there was this one doctor who was in an Arab country, and he used to say, I read the Qur'an. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's from God. Why do you believe in it? And he would challenge almost every Muslim that came to him until somebody told him, that, have you read the Qur'an? He said, yes. Have you read it in Arabic? No. He said, you have to read it in Arabic. He said, but I don't know Arabic. The translation is good for me. No, no. You have to read it in Arabic. You have to study it in Arabic. First, learn the Arabic Qur'an, understand it, and then try to reject it. Then try to reject it. And when he did that, when he studied the Qur'an in Arabic, he accepted Islam. Hmm? So, what happens is that little knowledge... It's dangerous. A person tries to find out about something on the apparent, and he's like, no, 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 this doesn't make sense to me. And he rejects it. But come on, pay attention, go deeper, reflect on it, and then reject it. For a lot of us in high school, we studied Shakespeare. Um, And for Shakespeare, when you read it, when you're younger, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to study Shakespeare in the future. You go over and you're like, what's the big deal? This isn't anything special. You know, the current day authors are way better than him. Um, but when you go into in-depth study of it, you have to study it you know, through that type of language. Yes. And then you appreciate the language, the, the words and everything. I'm not talking about the concept, the messages, but the literary aspect of it. Then you appreciate it because you understand it from that lens. You understand it in the correct perspective. So there will always remain a barrier between a person and something until he attempts to understand it deeply. You know, like there are some parents who just say about their children, I don't get along with them. I don't understand them. They're from a different world. They're just disobedient. I'm just waiting for them to turn 20 so that I can kick them out of the house. But did you try to connect with them? Or some young people say, you know, my mother, she's from a different world. I don't get along with her. Did you try to connect with her? Because if you tried to understand her then perhaps there would be some level of communication and understanding and friendship. Right? So 
they have rejected it without encompassing its knowledge. وَلَمَّا يَأْتِهِمْ تَأْوِيلُ And its ta'wil has not even come to them yet. What is ta'wil? Interpretation. Right? Like for example, what is the meaning of what is mentioned? What does it mean? And ta'wil is also actualization. So for example, in the Qur'an, many things about the future are mentioned. And they did not come into effect immediately after they were mentioned. So for example, in Surah Al-Rum, there are predictions of what will happen with the Romans and the Persians. And when those ayat were revealed, the mushrikeen, they had a big laugh. They're like, really? Is this what your Qur'an says? That this is what's going to happen to the Romans and this is what's going to happen to the Persians? They laughed it off. They rejected it. But then what happened? Years later, it came true. The day that the Prophet ﷺ was victorious, the Battle of Badr, the same thing happened in Rome and Persia, exactly what was mentioned in the Qur'an. So without even its actualization coming into effect, they have rejected it. وَلَمَّا يَأْتِهِمْ تَأْوِيلُهُ كَذَلِكَ كَذَّبَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Thus did the people before them reject also. فَانْظُرُ So look, كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الظَّالِمِينَ How was the end result of such wrongdoers? So basically what is being mentioned is that without reading, without studying, without understanding the Qur'an, if a person rejects it, it's an indication of his extreme ignorance. Only an ignorant person can reject the Qur'an. So don't be impressed by someone who uses very hard words in their language and very complicated concepts and they are going off against the Qur'an, against Islam, against the Prophet ﷺ. Don't be impressed by that. If they're talking in that way, it just shows they haven't studied the Qur'an. Because if they had studied it, even if they didn't believe, the least they would do is they would appreciate the Qur'an. And we see such people who are not Muslim, but they have studied the life of the Prophet ﷺ, they have studied the Qur'an, and they appreciate it. So if someone rejects it, it's an evidence of what? Of their ignorance and bias. Allah says, وَمِنْ هُمْ And from them, مَنْ يُؤْمِنُ بِهِ are those who will believe in it. Because remember, this is a Makki surah, right? At that time, everyone had not accepted Islam. So Allah comforts the Prophet ﷺ. There are some people who are actually going to believe in it. Right now, they're denying, but soon they will believe. وَمِنْ هُمْ أَنْ فَرَمْ ذَمْ مَنْ لَا يُؤْمِنُ بِهِ Those who will not believe in it. وَرَبُّكَ أَعْلَمُ بِالْمُفْسِدِينَ And your Lord knows best of those who cross limits. He knows best as to who is worthy of guidance and who is not worthy of guidance. وَإِن كَذَّبُوكَ And if they reject you, فَقُلْ then say, لِي عَمَلِي For me is my action. وَلَكُمْ And for you, عَمَلُكُمْ Your action. For me are my deeds, for you are your deeds. You understand? Meaning, you don't want to believe, don't believe. Okay, fine. We'll agree to disagree. For you is your religion, for me is my religion. Go your way. Let me live my way. Why are you so offended? with the tawheed that I believe in. Why are you so offended that I believe in the Qur'an? What's the big deal? What does it matter to you? Mind your own business and let me mind my own. Li amali walakum amalukum. Antum bari'una. You are absolved mimma of what amal I do. Meaning you've got nothing to do with my actions. Wa ana bari'u mimma ta'amalun. And I am absolved of your actions. Meaning go your way, let me go my way, live and let live. You practice your shirk, okay, go ahead and let me practice my tawheed. Why are you after my life? Because you see the mushrikeen, they were after the Prophet ﷺ. And over here, it's being said that okay, 
You don't want to accept it? Don't accept it. Let the Muslims follow their faith. You follow your faith. You live your life. Let them live their life. You know, it's like if you're doing something and it doesn't have any effect on the person who is sitting nearby. And they're just getting annoyed. And they're just criticizing you. What do you say? What's your problem, man? Mind your own business. Why are you after my life? I'm washing the dishes. They're not your dishes. What's the big deal if I'm washing them my style? When you wash dishes, wash them your style. Right? Let me do it my way. It's got nothing to do with you. You're not going to eat in it. Mind your own business. Right? And if a person keeps interfering and criticizing, then what does that show? They've really got some problem in their life. They've really got some issues. I remember once um, I heard this expression. It's in Urdu. And you're going to find it funny. And I'm telling you this just because, uh, just to understand this concept. It's like if somebody is criticizing you about what you're doing, some people will say, Tumara bill Bill is like if you're being charged for something. Like, you know, bills, right? So it's like, are you being charged? Are you going to be charged that, you know, I'm doing this my way? Are you going to get a $50 bill that I'm washing dishes my style? What's your problem? What's your problem? Mind your own business. So likewise over here it is said that وَإِن كَذَّبُوكَ فَقُلْ لِي عَمَلِي وَلَكُمْ عَمَلُكُمْ أَنْتُمْ بَرِيُونَ مِمَّا أَعْمَلْ وَأَنَا بَرِيُونَ مِمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ For God's sake, leave me alone and let me do what I want. It's like when you're wearing a hijab and you go outside and people look at you like... You're like, what? Are you feeling hot because I'm wearing this? Are you suffocating because I am wearing this? Come on. You dress your way, let me dress my way. It's my choice. Let me do it. Mind your own business and let me mind my own. Isn't this a beautiful message? And a lesson for us also. Let people be. Let people be. Once you've informed them, once you've told them, once you've given them the message, if they want to go their way, let them be. And especially if they're doing something right, let them be. If they're doing something wrong, then yes, it's your responsibility to do nahi anil munkar. But even in that, shouldn't hikmah be used? What's that hikmah? You tell them once, you tell them again, they're not listening, give them their space. Like the Prophet ﷺ is told repeatedly in the Qur'an, that let them be. Give them some time. Amhilhum ruwayda. Give them some time. Let them think. Let them make their mistake and suffer. And then they'll realize, and then they'll come back to you. It's like a mother stops her child, he doesn't listen. So what does she do? Okay, go ahead, fall from the table, and then he'll know. Right? And before he can fall, she catches him. Not that she will move away. She will catch him and then the child is freaked out and she's like, see, this is what I was telling you. We don't stand on the table. It's dangerous. Then they get it. So, li amali walakum amalukum. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us his hikmah. Let's listen to the recitation. وَيَوْمَ نَحْشُرُهُمْ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ نَقُولُ لِلَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا مَكَانَكُمْ أَنْتُمْ وَشُرَكَاءُكُمْ 
فَزَيَّلْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ وَقَالَ شُرَكَاؤُهُمْ مَا كُنْتُمْ إِيَّانَا تَعْبُدُونَ فَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ إِن كُنَّا عَنْ عِبَادَتِكُمْ لَغَافِلِينَ هُنَالِكَ تَبْلُو كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا أَسْلَفَتْ وَرُدُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ مَوْلَاهُمُ الْحَقِّ وَضَلَّ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ قُلْ مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَمَّنْ يَمْلِكُ السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبْصَارَ وَمَنْ يُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيْتِ وَيُخْرِجُ الْمَيْتَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ وَمَنْ يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرُ فَسَيَقُولُونَ اللَّهِ فَقُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ فَذَلِكُمُ اللَّهُ رَبُّكُمُ الْحَقُّ فَمَاذَا بَعْدَ الْحَقِّ إِلَّا الضَّلَالِ فَأَنَّا تُصْرَفُونَ كَذَلِكَ حَقَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ فَسَقُوا أَنَّهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ قُلْ هَلْ مِنْ شُرَكَائِكُمْ مَنْ يَبْدَأُ الْخَلْقَ ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُ قُلِ اللَّهُ يَبْدَأُ الْخَلْقَ ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُ فَأَنَّا تُؤْفَكُونَ قُلْ هَلْ مِنْ شُرَكَائِكُمْ مَنْ يَهْدِي إِلَى الْحَقِّ قُلِ اللَّهُ يَهْدِي لِلْحَقِّ أَفَمَنْ يَهْدِي إِلَى الْحَقِّ أَحَقُّ أَنْ يُتَّبَعَ أَمَّنْ لَا يَهِدِّي إِلَّا أَنْ يُهْدَى فَمَا لَكُمْ كَيْفَ تَحْكُمُونَ وَمَا يَتَّبِعُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ إِلَّا ظَنَّا إِنَّ الظَّنَّ لَا يُغْنِي مِنَ الْحَقِّ شَيْئًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ بِمَا يَفْعَلُونَ وَمَا كَانَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ أَنْ يُفْتَرَى مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وَلَكِنْ تَصْدِيقَ الَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَلَكِنْ تَصْدِيقَ الَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَتَفْصِيلَ الْكِتَابِ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ مِنْ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ 
أم يقولون افتراه قل فأتوا بسورة مثله وادعوا من استطعتم من دون الله ومنهم